Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. You're listening to Yellow Wolf Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 306 of the Yellow World Pod. I'm your host Stefan Butzko and today we talk about Borussia Dortmund's 2-1 win away to Hertha Berlin and preview the game at the Westfalenstadion on Saturday against Düsseldorf, another all-important game on the final stretch of the Hinrunde and for that and more joins me Matthias Zug. Hello Matthias, how are you doing? Uh, hello Stefan, I'm doing quite well. How are you doing today? I'm doing quite well myself, so um, I'm I'm very excited to talk about uh, Borussia Dortmund this week uh, for several re reasons. Um, the first and foremost reason is that Dortmund finally won, and I'm glad they won because uh, I really dislike Hertha Berlin. I can't tell you how much I dislike. I don't know why, um, whether it's a rational or irrational dislike, but uh, I, I really like to watch Hertha Berlin lose at the hands of Dortmund, and especially when... Uh, Players like Vidat Ibisevic throw a fit or so. Um, that, that just for me, the sprinkles on top. And especially if it's a shithouse to win where Dortmund, uh, where Hertha even feel like they could have gotten something. Um, from that perspective, I, I very much enjoyed that 2-1 win. Um, also because, uh, Lucien Favre made a couple of tactical changes, which I appreciated. Um, which we did not preview is that uh, Julian Weigel was out for the match um, because I think we only learned that after we uh, recorded our preview show. But in fact, he was out. So um, what Lucien Favre did and what I liked is put Julian Brandt in a more central position next to Axel Witzel and opt for back three at the same time with uh, Zagadou, Hummels and Akanji, which uh, was in, in my book uh, another quite uh, courageous thing to do knowing how Lucien Favre likes to stick to his back four. So, um, yeah, I, I thought overall from the from the approach to, to beat Hertha, uh, there were a lot of promising things, especially putting Julian Brandt in, this, in a more central role, I think is always uh, something that's successful. And I think we saw that for the 1-0, how they combined Julian Brandt with a through ball to find Jaden Sancho. That was a very nicely created goal and, uh, yeah, shows us, uh, that with a little bit more tinkering, uh, you can unlock sides like Hatta who, um, yeah, are right now not the best team. So I don't want to hang this win too high, but, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely good to come away with three points and then sit on the couch and watch Bayern lose to Leverkusen. So, uh, how, how did you enjoy that weekend? Well, I enjoyed it for so so many reasons. Um, but uh, you know, I'm I'm not quite as a Hertha hater as you. I think I think your your hatred for Hertha just is because of the blue running track in a stadium where atmosphere is kind of 
missing and the fact that far too often Hata Ultras tend to misbehave a little too much. Um, I, I think Hata... Well, it has nothing to do with the Hata Ultras because there are many clubs that have misbehaving Ultras, but I don't dislike them. It's it's more about the running track. I think you're right there. I've I've ranted about that plenty before. Yeah, I think that's a club that is in desperate need of a, I'd say, smaller stadium, you know, maybe in the 35 to 45,000 uh, capacity range. Um, yeah, like a mind no, stadium yeah. or the new one at Freiburg. Correct, building, right? correct. Something along those, because then it'll be full. It won't be so far away from the pitch. I think you'll have a better atmosphere and stuff like that. I, I still like Hertha from the old days when when you had um, the likes of Darius Vosch still playing there. You know, <laughs> I mean, we're going back, what was that, like late 90s? Old, old um, Bochum legend, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um for for me, uh, first of all, you got to start with Jung Klinsmann recording his own <laughs> entry. I don't. It was weird. It's fine. There are some people who got like really bent out of shape over it. I've got bigger issues in my life that I get worried about than I, I think that. The, the, I thought the it was big funny. Issue in 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 modern football is that his uh, iPhone case had the Adidas stripes on, and obviously, had to are sponsored by Nike. So that's a big no-no. That's like a reverse Mario Götze <laughs> when he was presented to uh, for Bayern. I think he was wearing a Nike shirt or something like that. So uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that's I think something that the people saw a bit. Where by people I mean like the stakeholders or whatever a bit more critical. But uh, I personally don't care. I couldn't care less. Uh, it's silly. Um, yeah, I yeah I obviously agree. obviously this this is a, a point of discussion nowadays which. Uh, just makes me nauseous to be honest because there are so many things to discuss in football um that are much more important than this bullshit so um yeah but um obviously i think i i tweeted uh after 30 minutes that Jürgen Klinsmann was the coaching change that uh Dortmund needed basically poking a bit of fun at uh, Hertha Berlin that whatever they were doing wasn't really working um, because Dortmund were tuning up and I was uh, already, you know, very relaxed in my seat thinking, well, this is only, only going to get worse for Hertha and probably going to end in a rout. But uh, it didn't quite come off, but almost when uh, Manuel Akanji had that header, I think in the 19th minute or so, uh, you know, it's uh, should should have been 3 nothing, And then I think this game would have turned out quite differently. Well, yeah, I remember you sending me the WhatsApp message and my reaction was... Eh! <laughs> okay, we'll see. Uh, but then, yeah, I thought, yeah, 3-0, 4-0. I think they could have absolutely destroyed them. Uh, but obviously, Mats Hummels had different ideas. Um, but again, I will, you know, going back to the, the formation changes um, and tactical changes that Lucien Favre um, made, uh, I tweeted it out that, uh, you know, that you do have to give him credit for that. Uh, granted, the, the haters who will hate Anything and everything Lucien Favre um, said, no, I won't give him credit for that. Or, well, see, this proves why he has to get the sack, because why did it take him so long to figure this out? Yeah, w <laughs> welcome to coaching and management. Sometimes things just take a while to form, and and, and it takes time to see how things uh, play out. Um, the reason why I like it is, A, he did not put Dahut next to Witzel. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping so strong 
that that's the end of Mahmoud Dahoud playing for Dortmund <laughs> unless everyone is broken and you have to play him. Um, having Julian Brandt there just offers so much more creativity and he also defends. He, he presses Finally. well. Finally. <laughs> um, and, uh, there, there's more pace in, in, in the build-up play. The other things that I really liked behind it is it gave, um, a little more security to Zagadou, who I thought played extremely well, but can't, is still prone to make that one big boneheaded move. This time it was Mats Hummels, but everybody, <laughs> every, you know, people, you know, it's like no one's perfect. No, nobody's perfect. But when a defender makes a mistake, it gets, it's a little accentuated. And the problem is for a lot of people in the back of their head was still that Bayern debacle uh, in the spring where Zagadou just, he should have been subbed after 15 minutes. But um, he played very, very well. And what I also like about this formation is I believe a formation like this will allow Dortmund to get the best out of Nico Schulz. Um, because obviously that's how he played under Nagelsmann at Hoffenheim. And that's also how Löw utilizes him for Germany, where he tends to play the best. Uh, playing just the flat back four fullback role that he's been asked to do. That's just not him. That's going back to Gladbach days when he was, let's say, mixed. And it took someone like Nagelsmann to figure out how to utilize him the best. I mean, this is Nagelsmann who figured out Kevin Folk can play a central defender. Um, so I, I think the players at the disposal for Lucien Favre in the squad and the formation he chose and the tactical approach he chose in the Hatta match, it's a good marriage. It's, I, I would almost say it's a perfect marriage because it also frees up Hakimi and kind of, let's just say, um, covers up some of his defensive frailties because you do have that extra center back that can push out and cover those areas. So the only thing in the whole setup, and I'm, I'm fairly certain you're going to agree with me on this is that uh, the, the only thing that I found negative had nothing to do with Lucien Favre per se. It had to do with, uh, the performance, the flat performance once again of our captain in Marco Royce, and that I would have preferred to have seen Mario Götze in the formation because every time he's come on, he's made magic happen. And Marco Royce has a very prolonged dip in form right now um, that uh, is honestly very baffling to me. You see, this is where our opinions actually do diverge because I think there is some. Uh blame to put on Lucien Favre because he was actually asked about that at the press conference before the game why does he continue to play Marco Royce doesn't it more um, doesn't it make more sense to play for example Julian Brandt in his position um obviously um he did not play Brandt in the Royce position because he played uh, Brandt more centrally however um I agree with um the assessment that playing Mario Götze instead of a completely out of form Royce um, can't really do any harm at this point. And um, we have this very nice word in German called Leistungsprinzip. And uh, after so many weeks of really atrocious Royce performances, where um, it's not just he, he has a heavy touch and runs the ball out of play or, or whatever, and, and is sloppy in his passing, but just the overall body language does not scream leadership to me. And uh, I think uh, 
if I remember correctly, uh, Marcel Schmelzer was uh, plenty criticized when he was the team captain when things weren't going well. And I think it's time to level a bit more of that criticism also toward Royce because I think um, in the best of days, Marco Royce excels in taking his team to another level and he is the one with the body language and the, the aggressiveness that really sends a signal to the rest of the team. But right now I think we're seeing the opposite with Royce where he is becoming sloppy and lackadaisical and I think that rubs off on his teammates to create a very negative effect. So I think uh, there is plenty of advocacy to say that uh, Mark Royce maybe right now does not deserve to start um, just because of his historical achievement. Achievement, Yes, obviously he has been a difference maker in the past for Dortmund and I'm 100% sure he will be in the future. But right now, at this particular moment, um, taking him out for one game or two, I don't think uh, will do any harm. Even though Dortmund have shuffled around in this game already a lot and obviously you would like to... Um, you know, keep a bit more consistency. I still think um, we can uh, put some blame on Favre there because I I really can't understand why Marco Royce continues to play also um, not from the start, but then is being subbed off after what was it the this the 85th minute or, or so or or even later. Um, you know, that's to to me you could have switched him out after 60 or 65 minutes for Mario Götze. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a bit baffling because Marco Royce, as Lars usually says, uh, is uh, right now this season is having his best performances in front of a microphone. And uh, I'm not quite sure what the reasons are why Marco Royce um, is performing like he is performing because it's not like Favre has fundamentally changed his position or the system and, and how Royce works. It's just a, a, a pretty much a more of a Marco Royce problem than a Borussia Dortmund problem, which then obviously becomes a Borussia Dortmund problem because of the uh, scoring output and everything else that, that uh, is, you know, works as a knock-on effect. But I just can't put my finger on why it is. I mean... <laughs> Your parents, Matthias, could it be that uh, him having a daughter now uh, changes his performances, his private life? I don't know, because I, I have literally zero explanation for it. Uh, so I can only invite you to speculate in uh, uncertain terms. <laughs> well, I mean, if there's one thing I can say is becoming a parent actually focuses you a little bit more. I mean, you may be a little bit tired. Uh, when you're a new parent, but it definitely focuses your intentions. Um, you know, the, there are always other aspects um, that go into squad selection that also play into uh, a manager's thought process, you know, whether it's squad harmony, balance, um, politics, you know, squad politics, stuff like that. So my assumption is some of that is at play here. And also, you can't forget that Favre and Marco Royce have a long history together. Um, you know, uh, Marco Royce was not shy about talking about how, you know, Favre is one of the coaches that helped him the most in his career uh, when Favre was announced. And there's a very tight bond between the two. And that and a, a, a strong trust factor. And we see that with coaches all the time. I mean, probably no one's more no, more notorious when it comes to that than Joachim Löw. 
uh, to massive detriment when it comes to loyalty. Um, and I think, <laughs> I think that plays into it without a doubt. And I think Favre, because Marco Reus is one of the best players, one of the best German players, one of the best players in the Bundesliga overall, uh, it's always that hope that it'll take over and, and now he'll break free and have that Marco Reus performance that we had for probably two thirds of last season and, and also the season before that when he was the one shining light in a, a very dire season, the, the, the two Peter season, as we, as we could call it. I think it's, um, it's very understandable to not drop Marco Reus and the reasons for, for why clinging on to him because this, breakout performance uh you know or his turnaround could come at every given game and you just never know how and when and, and why so i agree but then at least if it's not happening maybe just take him off after 60 minutes or so i agree i think the late sub and then bringing on guts it's, it's a little weird um i think you could have done that much much sooner uh but You know, there are also little things. I mean, neither one of us is a, is a coach, uh, a trained coach at, at that level. And maybe he was looking at the fact that, A, we're down to 10 men, uh, who's better at, you know, working against the ball and, and his defensive positioning. I don't know. Uh, but I, I do agree that, uh, subbing him so late, you may as well have just left him on at that point, unless it was just about he was totally gassed, which he didn't really seem like he was. Um, you could have done other, made other tactical substitutions at that point. Um, or you did it a, a little bit earlier. But that, that being said, uh, like you said at the beginning, the, the 2-1 victory and the performance in the second half down to 10 men, um, you know, Stefan, one thing that's been talked about a lot is mentality, the mentality of this Dortmund side of collapsing and being feeble-minded and emotionally weak. And you didn't see that in the second half. They were resilient. They were down to 10 men. Yes, it was against Hertha. But Hertha did throw on, what, four strikers at the end, four big guys, and the idea was yeah, lump I the mean, ball up to them. Kalu, who is yeah. like the, the ever, <laughs> yeah. you know, torment for Dortmund, basically. Exactly. And they still managed. Yeah, at the end, there were a couple of mad scrambles. But really, in the second half, I th honestly, I think Dortmund were more likely to score a third uh then Hatta were to score an equalizer um aside from obviously the correctly decided offside goal <laughs> from Davi Zelke um and and Zelke is another one of those I I'm not I don't want to say typical Hatta players but he's he's like a bad striker uh the only thing he's good at is drawing fouls which he obviously proved thanks to Mats Hummels so what are your thoughts well, on the he scored a couple when he yes. played for Bremen for example against yes, Dortmund so of course, he has the habit of of scoring against the black and yellows he he does but overall he's he's not exactly a great striker uh he did try a lot to provoke fouls in the first half and it finally paid off against Hummels so i would like your in-depth analysis of um, a boneheaded play from probably one of the most intelligent players in a Dortmund shirt. Yeah, it's it's a weird one because Mats Hummels should have known to just not stick his uh, Kackstelze in there, as we say in German, <laughs> to, to leave his, his leg dragging because um, you could obviously see that every time Zelke tried something, it, it ended with a quite audacious belly flop to the ground you know he was 
as you just said, he was really just looking to to draw a foul. I don't even know if he tried to g actually get past Hummels. And um, <laughs> last tweeted that you know it, it, it's it's basically a day when the player of your you know the the player with the highest footballing IQ in the squad makes really dumb decisions. And I think we saw the nickname Dummels go around on the internet. Um, yeah, it wasn't a smart challenge at all and uh, something you'd expect Hummels to do better, especially since uh, there were other players around him who argu arguably could have dealt with uh, the Zelke onslaught. Um, you know, a little side note is what really annoyed me is uh, that this game so perfectly showed why it was such a <laughs> dumb idea of Favre to play Julian Weigel against Paderborn because Manuel Akanji when there ever ever was a a long ball aimed at the quick strikers like Luke Bakio or Zelke or or whatnot uh he was there to to actually you know check the run and and defend and something that Weigel obviously failed because Weigel is not as as quick so um you know it, it was it just demonstrated how how easily the uh three three draw and the three nil halftime loss if you will could have been avoided by just playing the quicker akanji so that just annoys me but yeah um i think matsumils himself will admit that uh, it it wasn't his his best performance but i will also say and more criticism hurled towards favre um and that goes um a little bit to toward his rotation while I agree that Hummels is a, is one of the best uh, center backs out there still, even uh, if you know it didn't look like in this game, um, I think was it in the cup match against Gladbach where Zagadou started? I think so. Yes, and that's it was. Where, where, that was his only he... other start. <coughs> Excuse me. Yes, and um, my issue is that um, Favre could have. Uh, rotated a little bit more so far this season because um we all know that Hummels is 30 years old he cannot play every game and I think um you need to sit Hummels a bit more often so that uh, when fatigue sets in and I think mental fatigue is is more pressing than than physical fatigue then uh you, you need to give him a rest and I think this game showed that Hummels is uh, very much in need of a rest and also Axel Witzel, I think, uh, should have gotten a rest now with uh, Delaney and Weigel out. That's almost impossible to do. But in general, I think uh, Favre needs to find a way to give Axel Witzel a rest because right now, if we look at minutes played, Axel Witzel is leading with uh, 1,718 minutes in front of Manuel Akanji with 1,700 710 and then Mats Hummels is already in third place so um I think one of the things that really broke Dortmund in the Rückrunde of last season was Witzel fatiguing a little bit and so um this is something you would have to work on now you know I like the analogy to the um 76ers in Philadelphia and a basketball team who had similar problems with Joel Embiid who in the playoffs got a little tired and now they have Al Horford another big center to you know 
spread the playing time a little and uh, they they have what I'm trying to say is the front office of the Philadelphia 76ers have reacted to a problem in the playoffs and uh, obviously Dortmund aren't in the playoffs but they were in a title race and uh, Dortmund should also react to obvious issues uh, that arose from the last season and learn from that and right now it does not appear to me that they really have taken many steps uh, to to learn from that so um yeah I'm I'm a bit annoyed so that's uh, my full and comprehensive in-depth analysis of this one moment where Mats Hummels uh, dragged his leg <laughs> Yeah, I mean, part of it, like you said, is just down to to injuries when you've got Delaney and Weigel out, and uh, I'm I'm pretty sure there's not a lot of trust left in in Dahoud, nor should there be. Uh, I mean, the last thing you'd want is a double pivot of Brandt and Dahoud, uh, because you'll negate Brandt, and Dahoud is just untrustworthy. Um, thing I, is, it's also time to 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 bring Tobias Rasche closer to the team. I think he should get a couple minutes here and there. Because as we both have now agreed, is Dahoud is not going to have a long-term future at Dortmund, but Tobias Raschel might have, and so um, it's time I think to give him minutes here and there. But uh, the problem is, you know, you can all do that if you're ten points ahead and uh, everything is going uh, flaky and there's sunshine and flowers everywhere. But right now Dortmund uh, feel like they're in dire crisis. Um, I don't know if we've mentioned on the air before, but this game literally uh had uh Lucien Favre in the hot seat and obviously he continues to be in there but um this is not the game where you take chances on unproven youngsters in the Bundesliga game but I'm just saying overall Axel Witzel needs to get more breaks I agree and maybe that'll happen Feigl's fit and you you start Feigl in that position in a in a double pivot then instead um You know, the one thing that was very uh, evident in the second half when Hummels was sent off um, and Dalton were down to 10 men was obviously you just shifted your back five to a back four. Um, and uh, that Akanji, aside from Zagadou having a good day, Akanji played significantly better in the second half. It was almost like last season's Akanji was back. And, and you had mentioned this a number of weeks ago. That uh, when we talked a lot about Akanji and and the uh, the criticism level towards him, um, I think obviously in my opinion a lot of it is a little bit too emotionally driven. Um, the that he feels more comfortable with Zagadou or last season with Diallo next to him because he's the boss like he is with Switzerland. Whereas when Hummels is there, Hummels is the boss, and so it it seems. I don't know. I'm not in, in Manuel Akanji's head. I haven't asked him. But it seems that that um, uh, at least makes him uncertain of what to do because he's used to dictating how the, the back four operates. And he seemed way more comfortable now with Zagadou next to him because he could take charge of it. Do you – I mean, how do you think – I mean, obviously – it's pretty much going to be once Hummels is back, you're going to have Hummels and Akanji back there. But do you think you would partner more Akanji and Zagadou now uh, to give Hummels some more rest uh, from what we've seen there in the second half when Dortmund were also under pressure, given that they were down to 10 men? Have you not been listening to my last friend? <laughs> well, no, yes, you, of you, course. You, but you know, no, it's... you're right. I, ob obviously, I mean, um, this is the this is the only big um, what do you, what do you call it caveat of the Matsumil signing is that the partnership of Akanji and Zagadou 
and the talent of Zagadou will be more, let's call it suppressed, um, because Zagadou obviously is a big talent, and uh, if Dortmund aren't careful, he will be a big, big talent, <laughs> big talent somewhere else. <laughs> and uh, don't don't trip is, over those words, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And uh, this is this is going to be uh, something that Favre also needs to figure out because um, yes, Zagadou is prone to errors, but uh, you see all that potential that he has. This uh, you know astounding physique combined with a footballing IQ and uh, two healthy feet that can actually play football. Um, it's it's quite rare to find this and. Uh, so you you need to make sure that that this talent gets nurtured and, and actually comes out and uh, you know Mats Hummels is obviously not the future in Dortmund's centre back line in in the long term. Then Axel Zagadou could be could be so um, but a lot of things have to go right for that and Mats Hummels' addition does not make this easier. So yes, I'm a big advocate for playing Zagadou more often next to Akanji. Also, um, in a in a game like against Hertha, you could see how Dortmund profit from that. And uh, you know, in a in a weird way, Mats Hummels' sending off actually helped Dortmund big time because um, Dortmund were defensively way more sound after that. As you said, uh, it was likely that Dortmund would score the third necessarily than uh, Hertha scoring a second, just because overall. As, as you mentioned, uh, the team defended better, which is obviously uh, very important that collectively you do just more. But also Akanji and Zagadou um, both have that physicality and, and pace that Hummels does not necessarily have. And I think they they were very, very intelligent in how they played with that. They got a lot of interceptions and a lot of, uh, you know, long balls because Hertha are a classic side without a midfield without a lot of creativity so eventually what will happen is they will just try to lump it forward and hope that their striker can hold up the ball and and then um you know create a play from there and i think both akanji and zagadu were very smart in uh, avoiding that so my point is it's kind of crazy that in a game you have a world cup winner like mats hummels who has had astounding performances you seem sent off and your defense actually improves so i think that's that's a mass- massive pro for dortmund that very fact that you can uh, rely on on uh, zagadou so heavily right now and uh, given the very few daylight that zagadou has seen on a on a football pitch right now it's even more impressive because it it shows that zagadou ap- apparently right now is in the correct headspace so um yes, I think Zerke had this one one chance where he turned Zagadou around, right? Like from a more acute angle. But uh, again, I'd rather have him cover the inside than the outside. So I'm okay with that shot. And then there was Berkey to save it. Uh, we all saw that it can be more problematic. Actually, I think it was Luke Bakio. It's more problematic when you let Luke Bakio cut to the inside and then take a shot, as we saw with a 2-1 which then was deflected, where um, Witzel and Zagadou both could not really do well to stop Luke Bakio because it's the kind of shot that, that should never be allowed. So, um, But overall, yes, I, I very much agree with that sentiment. I, I would love to see more of Zagadou 
especially in in the next weeks and and uh, I'm glad that Hummels is suspended against Düsseldorf so we will see more of that and uh, in the home match where uh, I personally hope that Zagadou takes this chance to impress Favre even more and solidifies this impression that he is a reliable center back and Hummels can take more breaks. Yeah, I agree. It's a it's a needed uh, rest for Hummels who had a rough week, you know. He didn't didn't shine very well against Barcelona and then that kind of compounded things. Um I would personally like to see this formation more in the future. Um to to see those three guys that started the match play together and become more familiar because then You can also, and in, in the kind of looking ahead at the Düsseldorf match, if you play that formation, you want to give Hummels a rest. You can slot in Weigel into that same kind of playmaking, almost libero type position um, that uh, kind of accentuates his strengths and covers up his weaknesses, where at the same time giving a security blanket to both Akanji and Zagadou when it comes to the build-up play and passing options that they have. So I, I'm, a, I'm an advocate for it. I would like to see it more uh, moving forward, and maybe we'll see it this weekend. Yeah, I, I mean, why not? Uh, there There's very little reason to, to change it because I, I thought it overall worked quite successful. And uh, question to you, do you think that uh, Brandt should stay in that position? Absolutely. I think uh, there's no reason to move him out of it. You saw um, everything that he was able to create. Now, if you're going back to the standard 4-2-3-1, I think he may be more effective further up the pitch, <clears throat> kind of behind the nine. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Got something in my throat, aside from, from uh, Royce playing there. But if you're going to play the same formation, I would play the same formation. I mean, the only change I would really look at doing is who you have up top as your strike as your main striker um and then obviously uh the Hummels uh, replacement but I would definitely continue with the the Witzelbrand partnership uh, for the time being at least yeah that formation really just puts up a couple of question marks about the the front three basically because um you have Hazard Royce and Sancho and neither of them is really an out and out striker and you don't necessarily have a number 10 you could play a 3-4-1-2 formation basically where you have then a number 10 and, and two strikers up top but uh, the number 10 would be either Royce or Götze I presume and then Hazard and Sancho aren't really strikers either so um, you know it doesn't really matter how you put it it causes a couple of headaches here and there um, I don't want to play either Hazard or Sancho as a wing back either so um, you know <laughs> It it probably makes more sense to 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 play the three four two one system and then have this one striker who is not Marco Royce, but that means you don't have that number ten, so to speak. It's still a position that Marco Royce can play, but right now, um, yeah, it's it's better to have Sancho there and and maybe Hazard. I don't know. Um, so yeah, it's not the ideal system for Marco Royce to be honest. Um, but. I, I think that's okay. Um, Dortmund need to find different ways to play without him too. So, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see what Favre comes up with uh, in the game against Hertha. And, you know, 
if if Paco Alcázar will be back for that, I don't know. To be honest, um, he had a tear on his knee as well as gastritis against Hertha. So uh, I don't it says know he will. It says I I read it before we started recording that he will make the trip or he will be <laughs> available for the Fortuna match, um, but it is unlikely that he'll start. So uh, he'll probably be on the bench. Yeah, but. Um Again, overall, uh, I want to just close on this um, Hertha game. Um, it was interesting to see how Dortmund um, showed a reaction after Hummels went off, how they played the second half. It was certainly not pretty to watch. And uh, when the you know equalizer came, the 2-2 from Davy Zelke, I thought, really, this is going to collapse now, everything. But it did not. And it's nice that uh, Zelke got some deserved karma for all his diving beforehand that uh, his uh, heel was offside. Um, you know, Mark Roy said a similar situation. Was it against Bremen or so? But I'm, I'm not quite I'm, sure. I'm but not sure anymore. Yeah. Either way, um, it was nice to see Hertha being robbed. And then, of course, very late, we had substitutions of Marcel Schmelzer and uh, Lukas Piszczek. Um, what what do you make of of those choices? Well, I mean, you're bringing on more veteran players, um, possibly more defensively sound, so you're getting you know to see out a match. I was excited to see Masa Schmetzer. Of course, naturally, now his injury is going to be out for a number of weeks, so um, you know, <laughs> Schmetzer siding, and then immediately he's gone again. Um, so yeah, no, I I think that was uh, those were the right substitutions at the given time. And, uh, you know, I mean, we knew the second half was going to be ugly. Uh, it's natural. You're going to be defending. I just didn't quite expect had to be that level of inept. Um, and I do <laughs> agree that it's great to see. I, I, I genuinely am not a Davi Zelke fan. Um, I find him very, as we would say in German, unsympathisch. you know, he's just, just kind of a guy, you know, he, he likes to try to cheat fouls, out of defenders, and I do consider that cheating or gamesmanship, if you want to put a more positive spin on it. And I'm okay with an offside being correctly ruled an offside because offside is offside. <laughs> That's just it, it is what it is or it isn't. And in this case, it was offside, uh, and it proves once again why I'm happy that VAR does exist. <laughs> um, so I no, I think uh, they 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 got it done properly when the. When the equalizer that obviously then got chalked off, uh, got played in the, or got scored, the camera showed Guerrero and Guerrero's body language made me want to scream. Was like, Oh, Dalton's gonna, they're gonna lose this thing like five, two now because he just <laughs> seemed, he seemed distraught. I mean, he seemed heartbroken. And then when obviously the correct decision was made that it was offside, it's almost like that gave them new found belief. Like, Oh, wait, you know, um, we don't just have shit on our shoes. Uh, <laughs> as we say in German, has to scheiß am Fuß, has to scheiß am Fuß. You have shit on your shoe, you have shit on your shoe. And apparently the shit was gone. So, uh, in that case, uh, don't want to play better. There were no ideas coming from Hatta and therefore the substitution of Pischek and Schmelzer made perfect sense because, um, it was just about defending at that point because we knew what Hatta was doing. They're just going to lump long balls to four strikers. So you got to be a little bit more defensively sound. 
Yes. Uh, you know, this is maybe the, the, the one disclaimer I will say about this game is that Hertha really were god-awful and their potato field certainly didn't have their own case of trying to play better football. And um, I think another team probably would have beaten Dortmund on that day uh, with a bit more uh, bit more football. <laughs> so I, I think we, we really have to say how, how terrible Hertha are. I mean, now they have lost five games in a row. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't mind them get relegated again. I don't need them. Um, we have another team from Berlin in the Bundesliga now, which I'm perfectly fine with. So, um, goodbye, Hertha. Anyway, uh, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, one almost final thing I wanted to say because, um, the final thing is kudos to Torgen Hazard to scoring what I think was now his second Bundesliga goal for Dortmund. So, um, yeah, it's it's good to see him on the score sheet and to um come through as as he did. I mean, Dortmund also didn't create a barrage of chances in this game, so um it, it was quite important for them to take the ones they had. And it was a very nice ball from Hakimi. I think Akanji started that move and then uh, squared it to Hazard, who I don't know if it was uh, deliberately placed like that or if it was a bit of a miss hit or a stumble. I don't care. Um. It, it went into the far corner where it's supposed to go in and uh, Dortmund took a 2 lead and that sort of deflated Hertha for quite a bit until Dortmund, I think, brought them back into the game after like 30 minutes or so. That's another criticism that Dortmund let off a little, which allowed Hertha to have runs like Davy Zelkis. But otherwise, um, yeah, a more positive performance from Dortmund and we all hope that they can build on that but we uh, all know that this isn't always the case so um and with that i think we can turn our focus and attention to uh, the düsseldorf game and uh, düsseldorf i think have a couple of in injury worries some key players i think the vodka is out and who else uh, their Austrian left back Zutna is out um so uh, the reports are that uh, Gieselmann will come in uh, to replace Zotna at that left wing-back position. And they haven't said what will happen with Zobotka, who Zobotka is very important uh, to the way Dusseldorf play. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Morales, who tends to play a little bit further up the pitch, gets dropped a little bit back, and then uh, Tommy comes on, who I actually think is a pretty decent player. Um, it's, a, it's another week against another physical counter-attacking side, with a surprisingly very prolific Owen Hennings, uh, who scored like 10 goals in 13 matches. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if we <laughs> see another three, four, two, one formation from Dortmund to kind of counteract the strengths of Fortuna Düsseldorf. As your, as your dog has an opinion about this too, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. My, my dog is, uh, <laughs> For, for the first time, really sitting on the couch and barking, this does not happen often. So uh, we have to put in a quick break. <laughs> One second. All right. So I have Sammy on my lap now. Let's see how long that goes. <laughs> anyway, where were we? Uh, so the Düsseldorf formation strengths and weaknesses, um, you know, playing that kind of back three, three, five, two. Uh, two strikers pushing Dortmund, so I I wouldn't be shocked. I would hope, honestly, I my hope is same formation. You plug in Weigel for Hummels, um, and that'll help you deal with uh, the strengths of Fortuna Düsseldorf and play against some of their weaknesses. Um, 
you know, Zach Steffen in goal, very good keeper that Dusseldorf have. And Kan Eihan, kind of the center of their back three. Um, also very, very good, in my opinion. Uh, but uh, Dusseldorf is a relegation candidate, big time. Uh, last season, they played so well. This season, they're not playing well at all, in my opinion, even though they got a good point um, against Hoffenheim. They also got, played a 3-3 against uh, Schalke. So it's a team that can spring some surprises, but I'd be surprised if they spring too many against uh, Dortmund since, you know, they, they don't have a ton of really great players. And when some more key players do get injured, um, I, I think uh, that that hurts a side like Dusseldorf a little bit more than it does uh, Dortmund in this case. Yeah, what I'm really looking forward to is... Um if Dortmund playing that three backline formation again is how they deal with the many um, crosses that Hertha usually uh, the, the Düsseldorf usually play, um, I think that's uh, that's something to to look out for because um, it's it's something that Dortmund have struggled with in the past, and I hope that they are improving overall. Um, I think we can all note that Dortmund's set piece defending has improved big time since uh, you know they switched. It's a little bit more to, to man marking instead of zonal marking. And uh, that brings me to a weakness that Düsseldorf have, which is set pieces. And I really do hope um, that Dortmund play that three defense setup again just because of the set piece threat. Because, because if you have Akanji Hummels and Zagadou in there, theoretically at least, you should have even more uh, aerial prowess to score against a team that... Uh, is not good at defending set pieces, so um, that's another of my hopes. And then obviously, um, Hertha, uh, Düsseldorf, Jesus Christ, um, they have uh, a habit of giving away a lot of fouls in in very um, unfortunate or circumstances and and in areas that can really hurt them. So when we talk about set pieces, I'm not just talking about corners, but Düsseldorf have a habit of trying to disrupt their opponents with a lot of fouls. And uh, this sometimes is uh, something that they then, uh, yeah, that's that's really really a malaise for them. So another thing that I hope that Dortmund can can pounce on, and I'm really looking at Guerrero and and Hazard to to play a lot of good in swingers there. And uh, in the second half, if Paco Alcasa comes on, maybe he can score a direct free kick. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if this is another game where Dortmund for some reason go down a goal and then have another come from behind win because I, I really do think that Dortmund will win this game uh, no matter what happens and no matter what Düsseldorf do. Yeah, it's a shame that Hummels is actually missing for this match, ah. even though we said it would have been great to give him a rest because it's Such almost... idiot. It's Well, no, it's it's perfect. It's a perfect match for Hummels because Fortuna Düsseldorf, they're not... Parabon when it comes to pace, but like you said, crosses, high balls. I mean, if you'd have Hummels, Akanji, and Zagadou back there, I'd be shocked if many headers could place from, from Dusseldorf. And again, then you have that, that, uh, threat on the other end. Um, that, that would be my one concern with, uh, putting, um, Feigl in as that middle of a back three because he isn't exactly, uh, a threat with his head, uh, neither attacking uh, nor defending, but uh, still, I I would be feel more comfortable with a back three than two, just because 
Um, you know, Zagadu, despite his size, has been known to uh, be a little bit lax when it comes to uh, defending with his head. Yes, I don't. I really don't want to see Julian Weigel in center central defense. Uh, to be honest, this season I know there are a lot of uh, reasons why he can play there, and his distribution is often good. But I think this is a game where I don't want to see it. To be honest, and um, yeah, so I'm I'm really hoping, especially if you have Julian Brandt in central defense uh, in central midfield, then uh, you have. A lack of physicality, very centrally, because as you s said earlier, Weigel would play in that libero role. So, um, yeah, I'm not too jazzed about that. I think you need, especially against a physical team like Düsseldorf, you you just need a bit more um, strength. So, um, yeah, I'm for for that reason, I'm actually hoping it's going to be more of a uh, back four, or if you want to play a back three, then then play uh, Lukas Piszczek as the, as the right guy in that back line. But um, yeah, if, if it were me, I'd, I'd play with the back four just for, for the reason, because Hummels is, is out and I don't want to see Weigel there. So um, yeah, I sadly have to completely reverse what I said earlier, but uh, here we are. <laughs> Well, that's fine. You know, everyone's entitled to change their opinions from time to time, despite what uh, some people think that you're never allowed to have a, a change of opinion. Um, so I think uh, as far as in-depth analysis goes, that probably is is as much as we could do with Fortuna Düsseldorf. You said Dortmund are going to win, but they may concede. So what do you think uh, Dortmund will do or what what will be the score? Well, I think it's going to be a 3-1 win for Dortmund, and I think um, we will see a bit more pizzazz about this Dortmund team. I think um, that uh, finally we will see Mario Götze unleashed again and in, in a good way. So um, this is something I see happening um, because I think Favre's patience with Marco Reus is, is growing short. Um I can't imagine that they are looking at this and, and say, yeah, this is fine. This is what we should do every game if uh, Marco Royce plays the way he, he does. But that being said, Marco Royce this season has also had a lot of uh, good games at home or maybe not good performances, but at least he had scoring output. So this can happen too. Um, so yeah, I think Dortmund will score a set piece goal here and there. So three to one is, uh, is my minimum, uh, prediction. I, I think it, it could be a, a higher result, to be honest. Well, I agree that I think there are going to be more goals, but I don't necessarily it's going to be in the direction that you enjoy. Um, I think Dortmund are going to win, uh, but I think it's going to be 3-2. And I think it's going to be two very scrappy, ugly Hennings goals because, I mean, the guy scored 10 goals in 13 matches. He's going to get on the score sheet. I think he's going to do it twice. And it's going to be uh, in ways that are going to really piss you off <laughs> because it's going to be unnecessary. It's going to be scrappy. It's going to be, you know, uh, I see Akanji or Zagadu or both uh, each making a mistake that allows him to score, whether it's in marking or heading or something like that. But at the same time, I agree with you that Dortmund are just so much better than Düsseldorf. Um, and oh, you uh, we have said it, these sentences so no, often here I, and has backfired tremendously. Well, Yes, against Paderborn, it backfired just because who could have seen the, the, the Weigel Hummels against Pace? That's not the case necessarily here. Uh, it's more about physicality than Pace with Dusseldorf. Um, and uh, given some of the, the injuries 
that Dusseldorf have and some of their frailties, I think with the right kind of movement, uh, Dortmund can get the three goals. I agree. A set piece is begging for one or two, uh, but it will be a game of patience because odds are they're going to pack the box. They're going to sit deep. And uh, as such, there will be a lot of possession for Dortmund. Not a ton of goal scoring opportunities would be my assumption. Um, so all you can ask for is patience, which naturally will not exist <laughs> on on any social media platform when yeah, it comes to this match. This, but yeah, but also in the stadium, I think this Dortmund team is right now a little bit doomed to succeed quickly and not really strain the patience of the fans because if they fall behind, they they need to you know, really quickly show a reaction. Otherwise, this can turn ugly again. So um, I, I really hope that Dortmund can command this game from, from the top and then maybe break the deadlock with a set-piece goal or so. Um, as, I, as I said before, Dortmund have these weapons in their arsenal and I think they should use it. So I hope with a full week of training, they can focus a little bit on, on Düsseldorf's uh, weaknesses and, uh, you know, maybe create a couple of of smart plays. I mean, we saw the uh, almost three nothing against Hertha, which was a very nice play for Dortmund, where I think um, Guerrero, you know, everyone faked the run, and then Guerrero was free on the left side and and crossed it into the box, and Akanji nearly scored. You know, these things um, are at some point I think uh, going to yield in goals. So um, yeah. If if I've ever predicted a set piece goal from Dortmund, then it's in this game against shitty ass Düsseldorf, who are bad at defending set pieces. Well, perfect. I think uh, a lot of goals and uh, entertainment. Just be patient. Just give it the full ninety minutes before you lose your shit. And I'm kind of <laughs> telling myself that too, because uh, that first half against Paderborn, I was livid second half much better so give it the full 90 minutes and then lose your shit so uh or not that would be nice that would be a nice change if people just calm down a little bit but um well here's the thing yeah. is if you look at the table Dortmund when they get three points and I think Bayern play away to Gladbach you know this can be a, a huge day just in the table for Dortmund you know it's it's just vexing looking at all the unnecessary draws and, and points dropped from Dortmund considering where they could have been um, you know, they could have easily been in the first or second place. Um, right now, I think they have five points off the lead. So, um, this is, this is the game where you can or definitely will make up ground with a win. So, um, all the more important. And I think, um, Dortmund being in fifth place right now are not happy with, with that either. So I think that should be additional motivation to win, which it really shouldn't, but is. So here we go. Um, yeah, uh, because Dortmund, certainly don't want to lose any more ground to Gladbach because say if it's eight point after after this match day it's it's going to be a bit of a headache and um you know you can still hope for for a championship uh, title uh, winning run even though it's it's not likely right now and it doesn't look like uh, things are going in Dortmund's favor it looks more like uh, Leipzig and Gladbach are more cohesive teams and uh, Bayern Munich still have more talent on their roster but A, you never know, and B, the Bundesliga is very inconsistent right now, so you can't rule it out either, and as long as you can't rule it out, you should try everything uh, to, to reach that goal. Yeah, and, you know, Leipzig have a more difficult match against uh, Hoffenheim, and then Schalke are playing Leverkusen, so, I mean, the the top 
six spots in the Bundesliga could look dramatically different um, come Sunday evening, Monday morning, or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think it's, that's, that's that's a very positive thing right now. That uh, it's it's not everything is already sort of pre decided, and uh, we can uh, hope for excitement in the Bundesliga overall. Um, even though it pains me to see Schalke being ahead of Dortmund. I think overall we can be quite glad with how the Bundesliga is playing out this season, that there's no quote-unquote team running away with it. So, um, yeah, glad, glad the, the way things are. And it's nice to see other team dominate, uh, meaning Gladbach. So, um, yeah, I think overall, I think we bicker a lot, but the positives outweigh the negatives if if I look at the bigger picture, even if Dortmund aren't uh you know running away with it right now i agree it's it's an exciting, fascinating, fun, wacky Bundesliga season, something <laughs> people have been wanting for a long time now that it's here, far too many people are complaining about it saying, "Oh my God, it's so negative and so much cr- and you know it's exciting, it's fun, it's different. you don't know which way uh, a match day is gonna go. Um, and, uh, as such, I have zero complaints to be honest. So, um, yeah, I think, I think we can move on. Yeah, I think we can knock it on the head because I am holding my dog on my lap the entire time. So he's not barking. And, uh, that, uh, gives me motivation to just say that you can follow me at Stefan Butzko and then hand off to you, Matthias, so you can do the outro while I, uh, take care of my canine here. Well, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matthias Suk. You can find all of us on Twitter at Yellow Wall Pod. You can also find our written work at uh, yellowwallpod.net, which you support the, our work on Patreon. You get to read all those great articles. You can also find us on Facebook, as well as wherever you get your podcasts, be it iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher or Google Play or prime radio or whatever it's all called you can <laughs> find us there spotify and that's YouTube. another one and youtube that's right we're we're just everywhere we're on all the platforms so um <laughs> until next time uh hopefully we'll be so celebrating three more points from both adult one take care until then bye <laughs>